0: Thank you. Hi, I say this is the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan. This is hell. To the Breakfast Is Hell podcast, I'm your host Jacob Yerok, coming to you from Cloudy Manhattan, Kansas, where I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Oh man, I've I got laid off from work about four weeks ago, and been working on a project, and. Because I, I did some recording of music last year, and it came out what you would think a series of unrehearsed recordings done with your computer's internal mic would sound like. Um, so I've been trying to make something a little bit more professional. And it is not going smoothly, and I have been stuck in this apartment a lot. And it's been driving me kind of crazy, just a little bit crazy, but you know, have been watching a lot of movies, reading, reading more than I have been for a while. So it's been nice in some ways, but I'm just, just ready to get out, um, get back to Europe sort of thing. Um, I read, finished The Heart is a Lonely Hunter Red Billy uh Bud and Now I'm Starting on Joseph Andrews by Henry Fielding, which if you don't know much about Henry Fielding people, let me tell you, dude, the most people people gotta rep eighteenth century English literature a little harder. You know, I'm pretty ride or die for for Clarissa and Tom Jones. Just anything Henry Fielding wrote really. So um Yeah, just great I mean Tristam Shandy, you got freakin' uh, Gulliver's Travels, man, Tale of a Tub, Jonathan Swift out there. Yeah, there's so much good writing. And the, you know, like, I feel like with art, how do I put this? Like, the period before everything gets standardized is maybe the most interesting. Like, we all know what a movie's supposed to be right now, right? We've all figured out what a movie's supposed to be. But, like in the early days of cinema, before they knew like narrative structure and how shots are supposed to go together, there's just a level of experimentation that is needed. um, Because no one really knows what they're like, what a movie's supposed to be like. Or, like, when they were first writing novels, what a novel's supposed to be like. Um, And so, there's just, when you get to the early in the history of a novel, of the novel, or early in the history of film, um, just come across these really like what well, a good example is a movie called by a guy called Vertov. That's a Russian film called A Man with a Movie Camera, which is just like a completely different conception of like what a movie could be like than, say, what we ended up using from D.W. Griffith. Um, so, so, yeah, it's just interest, so interesting. Like, like Henry Fielding. I mean, one of the things I love, uh, Joseph Andrews, it's got like short chapters, like two-page chapters, which is great, because it's actually like you can sit, finish a chapter, do something else, finish another chapter, and you know, not these big, long chapters. Um, watched Patton last night, great movie. I love General Patton, the historical figure, as well as well as the uh, acting job. I don't know. Is that is that the greatest acting job of all time? Uh, the portrayal of Padme. What's the guy's name? Uh, Scott. I think the last name is Scott. The guy who did was in Dr. Strangelove. I think that and maybe Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep. I guess maybe you could say uh, Al Pacino in The Second Godfather. He's pretty good. Um, I don't know who else, man, but yeah, so I don't know. Greatest acting performances. I guess maybe you could say Marlon Brando in the first Godfather, but I don't know. I don't really personally love that one too much. Like, I don't think it's that impressive an acting performance. He's just like big. Well, maybe that's the whole thing, right? He's just like, this huge personality who doesn't do much, but like you can just tell he's an important guy. Uh, I didn't realize, though, that Coppola also wrote the script for Patton. So, I mean, they were all... I know Coppola and George Lucas worked a lot together. That whole cohort, Spielberg, they were tied with Spielberg. whole cohort was working together there in the 70s. Now, all art is local. All art is local. Yeah, I also watched uh, The Disgraced Comedian Louis C.K.'s I Love You Daddy, which um, was actually pretty dang good. I'm you know, i not going to go so far as to say it was a f- effing masterpiece, but it was really good. It was a really good movie. Um, and it's funny, because like, right before watching it, I was just scrolling through Rotten Tomatoes um, looking at what the reviews were and they all were like written like right at like right during the height of me too. And they were all just like condemning this as um, like nothing more than like Louis CK's like attempt to excuse its own behavior prematurely, which if you don't know, Louis CK um, got me too'd because he liked to masturbate in front of people. And according to them, they said it was non-consensual. Um, and according to him, it was always consensual. And then there's also some evidence that his agent, be known or unbeknownst to Louis C.K., uh, was working to amp, like actively, like hamper the ability of the women to tell the media that this had happened, or um, uh, working to hamper these women's careers. Um, so, you know, I think it's, I mean, first of all, the movie was good, so the movie was good, like, I hate this whole, well, we don't like the person, so we need to, like, attack the thing they made, it really, it was not, like, a diatribe, like, defending bad behavior, if anything, it was a very, like, it was an excellent exploration of sex and sexuality. And so it was uh, very well shot, very lovely movie. So, I mean, lovely, like, lovely, like, looking. It was a very good looking movie. Like, the way it was shot, the black and white they used, the score, the acting, like, it was just a love, like, the, 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 the setting, it was just lovely. But, um, no, it certainly wasn't. Certainly, as a movie, like, worth watching, so I hate that, and I don't know, how do I feel about Louis C.K., because it's like, you know, it's hard, right, because you have, I just find it so funny, like, when it happened, you know, and Louis C.K. is denying the fact that, like, it was ever unconsensual, um, You know, and people go like, why why would these women lie? Well, I mean, I just... You've never been involved in freaking, quote-unquote, show business, media generation. Like, just like the world of fucking, like, competitive arts. If you don't realize why somebody would lie for attention. Because, okay, look, here's a good example. Here's a good example. I'm not saying this is what these women are doing, right? But I'm saying sometimes... There's an incentive to lie. And, like, here's an example. So there was a girl, I was reading, looking up on Reddit. because so I guess the whole thing now is these Twitch streamers are basically, like, people on Twitch. It's a platform where people live stream what they're doing. And it used to be pretty much for gamers. But I guess there's, like, this whole category of, like, 16 to 19, 20-year-olds who are basically doing softcore porn. Like, they're in bikinis, strolling around hot tubs like jumping them and down, that sort of thing. And it's this girl who was trying to be a content, uh, like a, a media content generator, like a social media person. And she freaking like had this tweet, like ripping into these kind of girls a couple years ago. And then two years later, here she is doing these videos. And it's because she never got any streams before because like she's been trying to be a quote unquote influencer for years now, has had no success. And so she's like, turning to the thing that, like, she ostensibly hated, you know, or couldn't respect, and, like, if you're someone whose career is going nowhere, and all of a sudden, you can be in the freaking pages of the New York Times, you know, by, um, claiming something that's true, or that, like, not even, like, not even lying, but, like, twisting a situation in such a way that like you look like the victim. Like if, if that gets you and your career is failing and your parents are questioning all your life decisions and you're not getting laid because you're kind of a loser and you don't have enough money really to do any of the fun things you want and you see people, you know, like out there living it up and you're like nowhere near their level of success and then, like, you can have a big break and, like, have a moment in the sun and, like, have a moment to actually be heard. And all you have to do is, like, give an interview and make yourself a victim. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that, like, people lie. I don't, that was, that was the, one of the weirdest parts of me, too, where it was, like, anybody who talked about their experience, like, it was like complete anathema to be like, well, maybe like, they're not even just like, like you can't say they're lying, cause maybe, you know, you shouldn't be calling people liars if you don't know they're liars. Um, but like, you must completely believe their account was the other weird thing, because for two reasons. One, you can like, memory and time can warp things. Um, and then two, it's like two people could come out of the exact same experience with like completely different impressions of what happened. So that like, not only is someone who's coming here to make allegations, like not only can they not be lying, which is absurd, like to think that somebody wouldn't lie or like they could also not be exaggerating certain details or like giving this story in such a way that, like, it fits into the victim narrative that gets them wider media reach. Like, that's not allowed to think that. And it's also not allowed to think that, you know, possibly, like, there's another side to the tale. And I'm not, I'm not here. Hold on. I'm not here trying to defend serial predators, okay? I'm not here. I'm not here trying to defend serial predators. I'm not here trying to defend, like, I just feel like there's a spectrum, right? Where it's like, we got on one side Harvey Weinstein, Steen, Stein, and Bill Cosby, who like, definitely uh, like were serial predators. And on the other um, end of the spectrum, you got a season, sorry, who went on a date, <laughs> was naked with a woman, wanted to have sex, um, was visibly frustrated a little bit that they didn't have sex didn't say anything, just was like maybe a little bit left, and then like that was enough to get him canceled, like, we just, it was absurd, like, and no one, you couldn't talk about it, because it was like, you know, Like, the mere fact of an allegation against you at that point, like, in in 2016, was it? Late 2016? Fall 2016? Like, as soon as there was, like, one allegation, or, like, somebody's allegation, like, that was enough to get you canned. It's just, like... I don't know. How do I get it? Yes, it's hard. Like, it's hard because there's not really a good way for the criminal justice system to, like, get people who are bad people um, in terms of relationships and sex because it's hard to convict that sort of thing. Um, and even more when it's not rape, when there's not any direct physical evidence, right? When it's just people's accounts, one person's word against another. Um, and there's something to be said for like patterns of behavior, right? Um, like the multitude of accusers indicates that there's some kind of pattern of behavior that's going on but when it's like i don't know i think what happened if i remember like kind of well the coverage around these are this can apply to other people too when it's like one person makes a claim and it's very possible that like there's just another side to it or even like the initial claim isn't like actually even something bad and then on top of that like other people go like yeah he seemed to like Treat the women different in the writing room. Well, how? Well, you know, he would smile at them more. Or he would hold open a door for them. Like, I don't know, like some, some fucking progressive's gonna be like, no one's trying to cancel people for holding open doors. But it does kind of feel like that. Like, even with the freaking Cuomo thing, right? Like Cuomo trying to get ousted, the New York governor. And I remember reading one of the allegations. It's like this woman is like, yeah, the governor's office showed up at my door. And and then they, because uh, they were doing like property. Like, I think they were visiting the houses in the neighborhood. So the governor showed up at my house. And when he left, he kissed me on both cheeks, which I think is something Cuomo just does generally. <laughs> and then like they sent me a postcard like from the governor's office, which was like a follow-up about the... um. Follow-up about like the survey they were doing or whatever or the visit they were doing so it was like literally nothing out of Kemp but I remember like NPR just reporting this woman in the context of uh, in the context of Like these allegations and just like just giving to it straight like not even undercutting how absurd this is to like be ranked as like a sexual misconduct allegation um, and I just think, like, so, so I guess that's kind of my first beef with it, is like, I don't know. You know, I'm a Louis C.K. fan. I think that stand-up comedy is, like, the great art form of the late 20th and early 21st century. And he and George Carlin are just, like, you know, geniuses. Like, like they're Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. So, um you know take i'm not and i'm not saying these things like cuz i want to defend louis ck or like get into that whole debate um but i'm just trying to make the point that like you can look at the accounts of louis ck and then like like okay like maybe there's maybe he did some bad stuff and then but, but like aziz and sorry okay, so like you know there's like each case is different, I guess. Like the whole like, yes, like every accuser, like the fact that the accuser said somebody is like bad, like regardless of the details of the accuser's allegations, like that they are they are bad because the accuser says they're bad and like their take on any given situation is like necessarily like the complete truth is first absurd. Okay. So that's my first, that's my first beef with that. My second beef with the whole Louis C.K. thing is that I feel like with a lot of these Me Too stories, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't about like whether people were doing things wrong or unconsensually. It was about the behaviors themselves. Like, I don't know, man. We've all got our thing. And Louis thing was jerking off in front of people. Um, uh, who's the guy that was in Game of Thrones? Um. I wish I could remember his name, but his thing was fucking younger uh, younger men. Um, I don't know. Bill Cosby's thing is, is having drug sex. And it's like, look, if you want to do those things consensually and with people of age, they're okay. Like, I'm a person who believes. You do whatever you want. But it just felt like a lot of the coverage was like, was like, like, half of it was, like... Sometimes it was about people, like, being mad about the fact that other people are, like, abusing people in in relationships. But now the other half was, like, look at these sexual deviants. Aren't they evil? Ha-ha-ha! Like... <coughs> a lot of it was that. Like, there was definitely a big element of that to it. And that bothers me. It still bothers me a whole lot. Because <laughs> it's just, like... Okay, like... Make sure we know we're canceling we're canceling Bill Cosby because, like, these women didn't know they were getting drugged, right? Not because he liked drugging women, right? Like, we're canceling freaking, uh, we're canceling the Game of Thrones guy. Not because he's gay, right? But because he's, like, going after underage kids. Like, we're canceling Louis C.K., right? Because, like, he didn't ask for permission or, you know, he... Right? Like not because not because he had this fetish. Like that was that was a very fru- that was and is a very frustrating element of this coverage. It's just and I I feel like there's less of that now. There's definitely less of that now of how sexual assault allegations are covered. But uh um yeah, so that's my so yeah, that's my other beef. So beef one Beef One was with like how we treat accuser uh, or stories like we don't look at the details of them so to see if like there's actually a problem like we take and then um we like don't actually like consider whether there might be like whether the story is of such a type that there might be an exculpatory like account um that that's not allowed um two that like a lot of it becomes more about like the behavior and not about whether there was actually anything like um like wrong, I mean, I know you might you might be someone who's like well da 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 is wrong, and i da 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 Jesus says, and I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about like crime wrong, and I don't need your Jesus nonsense listener um that's my second beef. I'm trying to think, i oh, yeah, I had an yeah, so <clears throat> hm. You know, and then let's even go beyond that, right? Let's say, like, okay. And let's, I mean, that's like in the case of just like the stories themselves, right? Like the stories themselves, reliable. Like, what are you hearing? What are you listening to? But then there's also like the case of shit. Well, even if it's true, like, is it still going on? Right? And has the person made amends, because this might be the thing where like... I know every male listener, I don't know about every male listener, but I can't tell you how many freaking conversations I've had with dudes, you know, late in the night after a lot of beers, where dudes are just like scared shitless. Cause I got a lot of friends who are like, trying to make it, you know, I don't even, I don't even wanna mention the industries, cause then it's gonna be like, are you talking about me? But. <coughs> Got a lot of different friends who are trying to make it in different industries, right? And um, like they're terrified of this because there was maybe like something, not even something where they did something wrong, but like something that like could be construed as them doing wrong, and like you know they're, they're terrified that like 20 years from now, it's gonna it's gonna come back to haunt them, like me. I I'm not like for me like I'm I'm not perfect. I know there was like back in back when I was nineteen, I think nineteen was probably the worst year of my treatment of women. I think there was one party. This is probably like the two worst things I've done too, in terms of like shit that would get me cancelled. Is like one party I basically just like would not leave this girl alone and just like kept pestering her for like an hour and I was just blindingly drunk and eventually some dude had to step in front of me. And just like, dude, you are way out of line. And I was like, it wasn't even like me, you know, like trying to be a dick. It was just like, I was so drunk. I was like a dog going after a rabbit. Um, Like, it wasn't like a conscious thing. We're like, "Ah, I'm going to go after this woman. And then there was another girl who sent me nudes at some point when I was in high school. And who for like a year in college afterwards, I pestered. Uh, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know how long it was. Definitely wasn't like over five years or something, but like just would would every so once in a while pester her for more, even though she was like making it clear that she wasn't going to or that she wasn't interested in me anymore. I think even once like I sent her a Facebook message that was like, yeah, I'm going to send this. Like I don't care if you like don't want to hear from me anymore, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have all the power or some like weird, awful shit like that. For both which things, I apologize. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't have done either of those things. Um, but I guess, like, they're not behaviors that I think I really engage in anymore. Um, or, like, I've tried to make amends for. Because it's like... I get the point. If over, like, a number of years, extending into the present, like, despite, like, people privately... like. Somebody is still engaged in, like, behaviors and, like, is not improving on them and is, like, um, to, like, such an extent that, like, the only way to get them to quit doing the awful things they're doing is public shaming. But, like, if you haven't tried privately reaching out to someone or privately making amends, right, or, like, somebody has, like, fixed or made amends for past behaviors... Then, like, what's the point of public shaming if it's not, um, if it's not just, like, bloodlust? If it's not just, like, wanting to see the powerful fall at that point? You know? Which is, which is so frustrating. But, you know, I mean, you know, God knows how long this climate will last. But, like, the fact that people did something they shouldn't have done in their teens or early 20s, apologize for it, made amends, you know, rectify the behavior... Strive generally to be decent people, you know. We're not all decent people all the time, by the way. Like, we're not all. We all are going to get drunk. Or we're all going to be just out of our heads and, and do some shit we shouldn't have done, right? Um, like, that's still going to happen. Like, you can't be free of faults forever. But, like, you know, if you're not, like, a serial fucking predator, right? Um... I guess, like, what is it other than bloodlust? And so that's frustrating because I know a lot of guys are freaking... They worry about this stuff. They worry about this stuff a lot. Um, There's that. And then there's also just, like, I don't know, like the weird Puritan streak of it, right? The weird freaking Puritan streak of it all, where it's like... I had this really good definition in my head when I was running the other day. It's like, Puritanism is is projecting one's horror of oneself on other people. It's kind of like with the Louie thing. With like the, when I was talking about, like a lot of the coverage was about the behavior itself where it's like, <clears throat> how do I put this? Like, I feel like there's a lot of people who go after like, I don't know, like, like, there's a weird, there's a bad, first of all, I think there's just a bad streak of Puritanism, and I think Puritanism is always bad, like, witch hunts, like, people, like, demanding some, like, like, like coming up with some standard of, like, absolute goodness, and then, like, it's almost like the Twitter thing, like, it used to be on Twitter, there were certain things you shouldn't say, but then, like, whatever else you put, like, you wouldn't get attacked for, but now it's, like, it's become within different groups that, like, you must have this sort of opinion or else you will be attacked. Like, you have to be a Republican and like Donald Trump, and if you don't have that exact opinion, then, like, you're going to get attacked in that batch. Or, like, you have to be for, like, forgiving student loans, you know, college student debt, or, like, you're going to be attacked in that sphere. It's, like, it's not even about, like, there are certain, like, it's not even about, like, hey, you shouldn't, like, support Nazis. It's, like... No, you have like, not only can you not support Nazis, but you have to support our thing. Um, and like, just the degree of Puritanism that has like creeped in in discourse on the right and the left, we're like, shun the non believer. And like, we're just like, the degree of groupthink is sickening and disgusting. And it's, <sighs> I feel like, especially when it comes to the Me Too stuff, it's like a lot of it is just like, people are afraid of themselves and people like have this horror of themselves and people, you know, are insecure about themselves. And so like they make themselves feel better by attacking other people. Um, I feel like that is a very real freaking, you know, psychological engine that's happening in a lot of this. I think a lot of it happened with COVID too. Like people are very deeply afraid of COVID and, but they like to like hide from themselves that they're afraid. They're like, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. They like, shit on masks or like think masks are silly or like won't get the vaccine like admit your own fears to yourself and like scapegoating scapegoating and like laying the problems you have on the other people and projecting on the other people is I think like secretly just this incredible force which is motivating a lot of the discourse and a lot of the conflict that we are having in America right now. And it makes me very angry because it's like, well, I feel weird about myself and insecure about myself. So, like, but look at that freak over there. Look at that freak, Louis. O'E! Oh, what an evil man. What an unchristian evil man. Da, 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 da. <coughs> There's a lot of that. There's a lot of, I'm scared of COVID. But these stupid liberals with their, da, 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 da. Like, it's, I just think that's that's behind a lot of it. So, um, you know, and it's it's just it's frustrating because like sexual assault is like a real problem, you know. Like I had, oh, God, I gotta fix this freaking thing. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the audio quality on this one. Um, like, I had this weird thing in college And, like, even the last year of high school Where, like, every time Before I was going to hook up with someone I, like, just kept hearing these horrible stories um, I kept hearing these horrible Like, it was this weird thing Where, like, oh, we're going to make out But first I'm going to tell you about how my brother tried to rape me Or my brother did rape me Or I'm going to tell you about, like My best friend who tried to rape me Like, And it was this thing where like, it almost became like a running, I don't even want to say joke, but just like a running thing between my friends where it was like, oh, so you came back from such and such. What, What horrible thing did you hear this time? Well, her father stripped naked in front of her once. Like shit like that. I heard so many of these stories and it made me like very concerned with this issue, like back in college, like. Before it was a thing, right? before it was like a thing, it was something I was already aware of and concerned with. Like hipster, hipster me too supporter, right? Like I got to be ahead of the curve no matter what. But I remember like when the whole, like where I went to College Columbia, like when the whole movement started on that campus, which was like 2015 really, so a little bit before like the wider society thing. Like I remember being so excited about it um, because I was like, good, like, like this is a problem and like, maybe we can start to fix this problem in society. And then there were two things that just like killed me. Cause there was one, like, I remember there was a protest like on campus and like even a lot of girls I knew were involved in it and they were all holding up these signs and it was just straight up like anti-men, it was a straight up like, in this, like I know it was like in name a, a sexual assault protest, but it was essentially an anti-men protest, like men are rapists. Like, shit like that. Like, like I know there's a lot of, like, like far-right, like, bullshit about how, like, this is all anti-men. But it really was an anti-men process. And it was just, like, I remember seeing, like, my close friends, like, holding up signs of, like, all men are evil. And it's just, like, what is wrong with you? And then, like, I remember reading, like, the group that was protesting. Or, like, the bigger, wider group that they were part of. Like, and they're, like demands, right, like, for what the university was supposed to do to help fix this problem um, or help address it, and it was, like, so vague, like, I was like, oh, yeah, we're gonna, like, we need, like, you know, because I was gonna read, I was reading through this, like, okay, good, like, what are some concrete things we can do to help fix this problem, and it was just, like, these vague, like, unreasonable demands that there was another girl and she was like, she, I don't, you've probably heard about this one, but she carried around a mattress, which she was supposedly raped on for a whole year as part of her senior project. And like, I remember I was walking one day where like, I saw this magazine in a newsstand. It was her on the cover of New York magazine. And it was just like, so very much about her, like the art, like the story, like the, and the shoot. And it was like, Oh, like all this is, is like, like, uh, like therapy and like, Therapy and self-aggrandizement, like, I was so, I remember just, I was so freaking crushed at the time, because I was so excited that, like, like, oh, like, we can, like, be a place that, like, starts to address this issue, which is just, like, something that, that, like, the criminal justice system hasn't, and then, like, it just, it was, was therapy and anger and, like, inchoate, like, uncoherent, like, demands, And like self-aggrandizement and celebrity like it was celebrity and and uh, and therapy and there's no real change and I get I just feel like there's a lot of that Occupy Wall Street was that way when I went down and like got involved with Occupy Wall Street like the freaking like Green New Deal just all of that like extreme shit it's like I believe in a lot of the underlying social change that that is being sold. But like when you go down in the weeds and talk to the people who are involved and like, it really just becomes about therapy and celebrity, which is disgusting, which is disgusting because like sexual assault and sexual misconduct, like is a real problem. Like there are the Harvey Weinstein's and the freaking, whatever the game of Thrones guy was and the freaking, uh, and Bill Cosby's of the world. Like there are people like that. And, There are people who, like, slip through the cracks of how law works. Like, there are freaking abuse. There are men who abuse women and women who abuse men. And, like, there are people who do it and don't know that what they're doing is really wrong or hurting people, and they don't know that they're hurting people. And, shit, I mean, I've been on the other end. Like, I've been, like, pressured into having sex when I didn't want to, you know? Like, I've been taken advantage of, too. Like, it, it works both ways. Um... And so, like, and just the more we could do to make that not a thing and that shit that's not traumatizing people is for the better, but it's just, like, it's this good impulse and this good thing that, like, becomes converted into, like, people, like, Puritans, like, like, working off their own angers and fears by attacking other people or you know, people gawking and attacking the powerful and wanting to see the powerful fall and people finding ways for them to, like, make their own star rise and and for people to, like, you know, just attack anything and everything and make vague demands so they can, like, you know, work off their excess energy. And it's just all very frustrating because it's like... But then you can't criticize it, right? If you criticize it, if you break it down... If you introduce nuance, um, then all of a sudden, like, you don't support it. Like, all of a sudden, you're the problem, and you're someone who needs to be canceled, which is something that frustrates a lot of people, um, or you become a potential target. So that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts on Me Too. I know this might be the Final Breakfast to Sell podcast. This might be, this might be the last content we get to make. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm mostly kidding with that one. But, uh, you know, it's something that's been rankling my gears for a while. So I just I, you know, it's just I guess I had a lot to say on the subject.